The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse number 43 and following, you, shall, uh, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, if you greet your brothers only, if you greet those you're familiar with only, if you greet those who are like you only, if you greet those who are Jews only, if you greet those who are only part of your clique, if you greet those who are part of your, your gang or your, your crew only, if you greet only those who you huddle with on Sunday mornings on the parking lot only. Y'all hearing this? What do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. I want to talk about the development of love. That's all I want to talk about. The development of love. <clears throat> Got invited <clears throat> a few weeks to California, and that was the theme, real love. <clears throat> and, I, and I believe that it's very, uh, it's very timely to talk about the subject of love, especially right now. Beware of those seats. They're extremely comfortable. Let me just stop and say they're extremely comfortable. And before you know it, you'll be home in your head on the beach or whatever your dreams produce. But something about today, modern Christianity, makes it so convenient to where modern Christians don't really, uh, sometimes modern Christianity doesn't push love enough. And what I mean by that is sometimes we make, we make too many allowances for our personalities. We make too many allowances for our personalities. And what I simply, what I'm referring to is Sometimes we chalk some things that are not pleasing to God as part of who we are. We say, that's just the way I am. And I've been saying this over the years. And some of those things are not about your personality. Some of those things are about character. And there's a fine line between personality and character. Personality has more to do with the things you like and, 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 and your, the, the things that make you laugh, your charm, your smile, that's personality. Character has to do with your value system. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to mix the two and we'll be saying that's just the way I am about things that God clearly says you should not be that way about. And once we become comfortable with that, once we become comfortable saying, that's just me, that's how I am, I was born this way, I'm going to die this way, you cannot claim to be that way if it's a character issue and claim to be a Christian as well. You don't get to say, I follow Jesus and have characteristics that are against Christianity. That's not true Christianity. That's churchism. 
That's I go to that church over there. That's, you know, I grew up in the church. That's I'm religious, but it's not discipleship. It's not Christianity. So when we look at a text like this, we're going back to raw Christianity because in order to do ministry in any community, you cannot have Sam's choice Christianity. You can't have Dr. Thunder. I, I like Dr. Thunder, but you can't have Dr. Thunder. You can't have Edward Marcus. You can't have uh, Billerts. You, you have to have the real thing. And the reason why you have to have the real thing when it comes to love is that love will always be tested. Turn to somebody and say, your love will always be tested. There isn't a day, there isn't a day that can go by where you have a level of consciousness where your love will not be tested. Your love is being tested right now. And the way your love is tested are by, is by attributes other than love. Your love will always be tested by characteristics other than love. What do I mean? I mean your love is not tested by love itself. It's tested by characteristics that love fuels. It's tested by patience. It's tested by long-suffering. It's tested by endurance. It's tested by temperance. All of these things that love fuels. So you don't check your love barometer by your words. You check your love barometer by all of those attributes that love fuels. You want to know how much you love? How patient are you? You want to know how much you love? How long-suffering are you? you? You want to know how much you love? How long do you endure? That's how you test your love. And Jesus made no big bones about talking about love because he was in a society that changed and twisted Old Testament scripture to suggest that it was okay to love your friends and just as okay to love your enemies. They misconstrued Leviticus 19 and 18. They took what was omitted and they twisted it around. And these Jewish people in this day, this Jewish community in this time, began to teach and purport that it's okay to, to hate your enemies, rather. It's okay to hate your enemies. You can love your friends, love your friends, and it's okay to hate your enemies because that's what they are. They're your enemies. You're supposed to hate them. And in this time, they considered Rome to be the enemy. They considered tax collectors to be the enemy. And so Jesus is correcting some bad theology. He's saying it's not okay to hate your enemy. It's not okay to hate those who are against you as a group of people. If you're black, if we were living today, if he was here today, he would say it's not okay to hate white people. I'm sorry, I'm going to be blunt. It's not okay to hate black people. It's not okay to hate Hispanic people. No, no, no. It's not okay to hate the president. You don't get to sit in pews and dress up every Sunday morning and come and say howdy do and walk with a, a twitch and a twang and a religious twang and then go hate. No, 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 no. It is not okay to hate people who are hateful. And somewhere in our Christian walk, even me, I forget that sometimes. That Christianity is not just about Sunday morning. There is an everyday living aspect to this Christian life because I don't get tested. I'm ready for tests on Sunday morning. 
I wonder if there's anybody who's ready for Sunday morning tests. I mean, nobody can steal my joy. I'm going to worship it. I'm going to do all this. But it's Monday when you got that co-worker that really wants your job and hate that you got the job and doing everything to circumvent your work so that it looks bad in front of the boss. Jesus says, love them. When a church comes into a community, it's to love the community, not judge the community. Love the community. Here's the challenge with that. If we can't hardly love our own community. Okay, so let's, let's look at the text. I've got three points for you. You go home and uh, get ready for turkey. Jesus deals with this in verse 43. Here's my first one. I want to look at opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. He says, love your enemies. Verse 44. Pray for those who persecute you. Every person you meet who is not lovable is your opportunity. Write that down. I see some of you taking notes. I like that. Take notes. We don't have the big screen up yet, but write that down. Every unlovable person that you meet is your opportunity. Today's vernacular. Every hater of yours is your opportunity. Everybody, turn to somebody and tell them that. I like, that. I like chicken. I like Popeyes. I love it all. Church's chicken is the best. Look, let, let me say it again. Every person who is unlovable is your opportunity. How many opportunities have you had last week? And somebody said, you preach about that. I'm going to always preach about love, especially at a point like now. Because if we're not careful, we'll close up and we'll become a closed community that only loves itself, ministers to itself. And when anybody else who's strange comes in to try to reach out, we will love them at a distance or create an illusion or veneer of love. We have to understand that the church is for everybody. In other words, let's look forward to meeting the biggest drug dealer in this community. Let's Let's look forward to meeting the biggest street walker in this community. Let's look forward to meeting the councilman, even if he does not like this church and Christian community, because that is our opportunity. And too many times we miss our opportunity to show love and in the name of showing discipline. Let me tell you what that looks like, what that looks like. Even as a leader in the church, you got to be careful and I've got to be careful. Something happens with one of my children. People have a tendency to want to see if you will judge justly. And there's a pressure for you to act in disciplinary punishment. Okay, let me get a little closer, one step closer. If somebody among us does something that is out of Christian character, there is a pressure and an almost unspoken expectation that you deal with it harshly. And the attitude that comes with it is if you're going to tell other people, you need to set this person in order first. 
Now, whenever that happens, instead of taking advantage of an opportunity to appease others who are watching who want to see recompense, that is the church's opportunity to show this is how we love people who mess up. This is how we love young ladies who get pregnant before they get married. This is how we love people who make mistakes instead of trying to prove that we stand by what we say. Some of us run from love opportunities. I get it because some of us are internalized. I'm one of those. I'm an internalizer. As a matter of fact, nobody shows every part of who they are in church. Don't get it twisted. That's not all you. I know that that's not all you. This side, that's not all you. That's some of you, but that ain't all of you. This middle side, I know that's, that's some of you, that's not all of you, that's not all of you. Because there's no one setting where we show all of us. Because in order for all of us to be shown, we need situations to pull all of us out of us. Y'all hearing this today? So that's not all of us. But all of us have been in situations where our love is tested and our love, and we don't want to love. And that's why the Bible never tells you. Jesus never says, feel like loving your enemies. I got permission not to feel like loving you if you hating on me. Okay, okay, somebody said, that's, that's harsh. No, that's real. That's real. You don't have to feel like it. That's not what it says. But God knows that if you practice something long enough, it becomes embedded into who you are. And what used to be a problem to you before is no longer a problem because you're a practicing Christian. How many of us are practicing Christians? There's the practicing Christian and there's the professing Christian. The professing Christian has to have a suit on to tolerate you. The practicing Christian can have overalls and not cuss you out. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, let me, let me get back. Let me get back. Stay focused, stay focused. So, so here it is. Watch this. Here's an opportunity. So Jesus says, love your enemies. However ugly they are, love them. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Christ, love your enemies. That's simply what he says. No passes, no excuses, no manipulations, no contortions, no distortions, no ifs, no ands, no buts, no changes, no conditions. He says, love your enemies. Pure, foundational, fundamental, elementary Christianity. And if you love your enemies, it also suggests that you have to be realistic about having them. I heard somebody say one time, I don't have any enemies. That's because they're posing as your friend. That's the only person that doesn't have enemies. The only person that doesn't have enemies is the one that don't know which friends are enemies. Because everybody got them. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Opportunity. Number two, not only do we see opportunity, but in verse 45, he shows identity. Verse 45, he says, he says, you do this in order 
that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his sun to shine on the evil, on the good, and send it rain on the just and on the unjust. There's an association between love and your being a child, a child of God. It's an identity thing. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the what? The love you have, what? One for another. That's how you identify. I'm so sorry. Let me apologize for me. Pushing other things as the identity of disciples and followers of Christ. In my history, I pushed Sunday morning as the identity. I, 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 I twisted it. I, I chose that that was the identity. And when we do that, we exonerate people from having the love as long as they commune. I don't have to love you. I just have to commune on Sunday. So watch what's happened over the years. Over the years, because of a thing called individualism, there's been a s separating of, of the people of God where opportunities for interaction, which are also opportunities for love, are minimal because of individualism. Are you understanding this? Individualism is that thing that took away everybody eating together. Individualism is that thing that took away a conversation. Anybody in here remember a conversation? Hello? I'm talking about a face-to-face -face conversation. I'm talking about a conversation where you didn't use letters for words. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I want you to see what's happened this individual thing has taken away that, op that opportunity where some of us only get bold by text message. <laughs> because we hide. We hide behind these things so that we don't have to confront. And one of the biggest issues that scriptures talks about when it comes to loving is loving each other enough to confront. And what we'll do is we'll neglect confronting, wait for the bomb to blow up, and then talk about it verbally face to face after something blows up. When we missed opportunities to love, when we missed opportunities to interact. Everybody say learn to interact. This is getting so bad, church that people are preferring not to even come together to worship. I'm talking about people, that's their preference. I'll worship from home. But don't you know there is a one another aspect to the people of God coming together? I've got to deal with you. you got to deal with me. And if we can't deal with, any, with each other, we're not getting legitimate, genuine, authentic opportunities to practice love because I don't get to see your face when you have a bad attitude. And so, and so here in this text, the identity is our interaction, our love. That's how I'm going to know. Forget billboards. Forget marquees. There was a challenge in this church at one point where people were saying, well, y'all going to change the name of the church. Can I talk about this, Mountain View? I'm almost done. And I thought about it. I said, wow. We think the name on the marquee makes us who we are. 
let's just imagine a world where everybody who named the name of Jesus was hunted and killed. Where would we put the marquee? Imagine a world, and, and, and so why we're so far from that because we're in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But I want you to pay attention to this. Listen carefully. Pay attention to this. We were far from the monsoon in Asia until the monsoon became Katrina. Don't get it twisted. It can happen. So, so, so imagine a world where you could not put a marquee up, where you couldn't put a sign up. Imagine a, imagine a crisis where you couldn't wear a t-shirt talking about what group you were a part of. Imagine a 911 here in Dallas. The planes collide into the tall building and all of a sudden the building comes collapsing down and everybody who was black and white and red and yellow now becomes dusty, ashy gray. How will you distinguish whether or not you're helping somebody from a church with the same marquee or helping somebody who you just love. We get caught up on the visible forgetting that everything that makes me a Christian, you can't see it first. God can see it first and then it manifests to the outside and one of those things is love. That's why if you want to know whether or not a person loves you, all you got to do is wait. Wait. Turn to somebody and say, just wait. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And I'm not saying wait for you to need money and if they give it to you, no, 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 no. Don't wait to see if they give. Wait to see if they forgive. Just wait. Make a mistake. You want to know if somebody loves you? Make a mistake. You want to know if somebody really cares about you? Do something that's shameful and make a mistake. And if you want to see who loves you, those who will respond will be those who respond the same way God does when we make a mistake. Now there are the harder personalities that say that isn't a mistake. You meant to do it. That is a sin. Don't call it a mistake. Fine. Sin. You know what I'm talking about, though, don't you? And then finally, 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 somebody said, I was waiting for this and that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not throwing hoops behind my back. We got to get this love thing or our ministries are going to be shallow. They're going to be so shallow. We're going to love people that look like us, have our status, clean like us, smell like us. Shallow ministries comes from shallow love. And finally, he says in verse 46, here is the self-monopolizing. He says, for if you love those who love you, it's easy to love somebody that's loving you. How easy is that? If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's a business transaction. That's not love. So if you're one of those people, if you do me right, I'll do you right. Are you also saying you're a follower of Christ? 
Now, I'm not saying if you've perfected it, because none of us have perfected it. Some of us will have love opportunities as soon as this worship service is over. Right when we get in the car. I mean, right when we get in the car. I saw how long you hugged him. Why were you talking to him so long? I saw her. What is that lipstick doing on you? Uh, you know. Let's finish talking what we talked about when we got on the way here. Let's talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. Just nod your head and say to yourself, love opportunity. Turn to somebody, say it low, say it, love opportunity. Make sure they don't hear it now because you're going to get in deeper, get in deeper trouble. But it's reciprocity is, Jesus, is, what, is what Jesus is talking about. You don't get credit for authentic love if it's just reciprocity. The world lives on reciprocity. Politics is all about reciprocity. It's modern-day bartering. It's bartering with law and legislation. It's saying, if you let this pass, I'll let this pass. It's saying, if you get your people to vote for me, I'll let this pass. I'll do this and that and the other. So much so when you live in a society or a social construct or a social setting where everything is based on reciprocity, you really don't know where love is. You cannot know where love is if you are in a social structure that is only based on reciprocity. Because in that social structure, you cannot ascertain as to whether or not people are doing and tolerating you and putting up with you and loving on you and expressing themselves to you based upon an authentic love or based upon an agreement or an arrangement. That's why people with money find it hard to have friends that don't have it. Don't get quiet on me, but you can get quiet on me. You win a million dollars today, and you will find it harder to discern who loves you. Because sometimes love is used as a token or as a tool of reciprocity. I will show you love to get something out of you. And as soon as you don't give me what I want out of you, the expression of love that I'm showing you will cease to happen. That is why the only community that God puts his certification on that loves each other and should have the love that is unconditional is the body of Christ because guess what what God gave me he gave you what he gave you he gave me I'm not talking about money and cars and things that run out of gas and things that can crash I'm talking about salvation I'm talking about the fact that you've been forgiven and I've been forgiven and that love is what God wants us to copy so here's the thing, as I close, here's the thing. Every now and then, we need a tap. We need a tap on the shoulder, at least me. I need a tap. I need a tap on the shoulder. Has anyone ever cut you off and without thinking, you rant in your car? You need a tap. You gotta be a Christian. No, that Christian thing is for real. You need a tap. Somebody get in your face, those thoughts that start running, that you're just an inch from acting on, Guess what you need, God? To, see, the Holy, Spirit will just, the Holy Spirit will stop you right there and just tap you on your shoulder. 
and stop you from saying it. When somebody's in your face and you know this is the person that secretly hates you and says all the nice things in front of you but behind your back has a whole list of people that confirm that they hate on you, you need before you re you need you need God to tap you on your shoulder. You need God to tap you on your shoulder in those instances when you don't get what you want or somebody talked to you the wrong way and it hurts you deep in your pride place and it makes you feel small and it insults your intelligence. You need God to, oh, wait a minute. I can't just react like I would react without Jesus. I got Jesus, so I cannot just respond any old kind of way. I need a tap from heaven to remind me that I'm supposed to exhibit the love of God tap somebody tap somebody on the shoulder and say before you say it tap them before you do it tap them before you talk about it tap them that's God saying wait a minute you're not like them you are not what you're not unsanctified you need to be reminded that this is what Christianity is all uh wait a minute wait a minute uh, why are you standing there, sir? Why are you? That's not even where you're supposed to be, man. That's not even where you, you know what? I, I, I love you. Some of y'all missed that. Some of those taps helped us, some of us more than others in other ways. Are you understanding this? This is a work. And if we don't go with love, if we don't go with love, we're not going with God. We're not going with God. God says, I love you. You messed up. You're all jacked up. I love you, though. You talk too much. Can you imagine what God sees? You talk too much can't keep a secret tell people's business gossip about people who you're supposed to be friends with you're out there buck wilding getting drunk and not on the spirit while you got your I love Jesus t-shirt on at the club just that's my jam with Jesus shirt on and mount You get my point? Everybody stand to your feet. I'm a realist. Christianity is not a walk in the park, I tell you. It's not. It's not. I want to appeal to somebody who's having a hard time loving yourself right now. Because I know there are some of you in here that nobody has to beat up. You know why people don't have to beat you up? Because you beat yourself up more than anybody could ever do. Yeah. I want to make an appeal to somebody who had something in their childhood happen that translated to them that they were not loved. And you find yourself in a succession of relationships 
looking for what you didn't get. And God is saying, I'm right here. I, I, I want to make an appeal to somebody who's blaming your neglect and your refusal to love on your upbringing. You're old enough to make a decision now. You're responsible for your own actions. But yet you have a hard time loving. You know why? Because you have a hard time trusting. Some of us have such an irrational distrust that we are prisoners in our own hearts. You cannot love fully that which you do not trust because trust is the next door neighbor to distrust and you cannot fully love who you don't trust. You can tolerate, you can like them, you can show them love, but we're developmental. And the more I trust you, it's the more I love you. And that's why some of us have a hard time loving God. Because he took mama too early. And we were taught that God loves you. And you pray to the God who loves you. That he wouldn't take mama. And he took mama. So you don't trust God. Your heart is closed. And behind all of that hardcoreness is fear. You're afraid. Some of you relationships, you don't get in relationships. As a matter of fact, you get in them, but when they get close, you cut them off. You know why you cut them off? Because you're being vulnerable. And that's where distrust is. If I let you in this close, you're close enough to stab me. And everybody that ever claimed to love me, stabbed me. Threw me aside. Loved me for what I can give them. And when I ran out of what I can give them, they ran out of love for me. And so I take care of myself now. And I'm hard. And I'm closed. And if you think you're getting close, you're just thinking you're getting close. And I can make you feel like you're close, but you're not really close. And all you got to do is make one move, and I'll cut you every which way but loose. And I'll show you that while you thought you were close, you were not close because I don't trust you. I don't trust you. There's somebody here that don't trust someone because they hurt you, and you can't let it go. You can't let it go. You won't let it go. And now everybody is paying for what they did. God says, let me show you love. Not that you love me. You couldn't have. You weren't here to love me. Not that you love me, you couldn't have because you were busy being a sinner. But that while we were yet sinners, 
I looked on heaven's wreck and I took the most expensive thing that heaven has. The most sentimental thing that's near and dear to me that heaven has. And I looked at you and I saw how unlovable you were and I saw how rebellious you were and I took the innocent expensive gift of heaven and I put your evil on him and took his righteousness and I put it on you that's love